0: Welcome to Solder Smoke, a podcast about wireless technology. We talk about everything from old-time crystal radios to modern digital satellites. All are welcome. Please join us in the Solder Smoke. This episode of Solder Smoke is brought to you by usedradiomall.com. You know, I know you don't want to go to the mall, but you guys will like to go to this one, the usedradiomall.com. Check it out. Alright, guys, good morning. It's Sunday, December 30th, 2012. This is Solder Smoke 148. Long delayed. Sorry for the delay. Took me a long time to get this one going. Primarily because of, uh, electronic problems that I've been having on the workbench. I'm glad to report that most of them are resolved. I'll tell you about them in a minute. Don't really have too much travelogue to start the show with. We were up in New York, uh, um, for Christmas week. And, uh, I got to visit with uh, friends and family up there. We were kind of on the edge of the uh, the zone that was affected by Hurricane Sandy. I, rem- I think the last time we recorded a solder smoke, it was sort of in the midst of Hurricane Sandy. Where we were in New York, you could still see a lot of the, the effects, a lot of downed trees. My, uh, my sister had been without power for a full week, which is really unheard of in the suburbs of New York. And uh, a lot of people still... Still recovering and uh, getting over that uh, devastating hurricane, uh, just wanted to mention my wife Elisa was really uh, touched by the uh, the suffering that people were going through right after the storm, and so she got involved in an effort here in the uh, in the D.C. area to collect uh, clothing and and food for um, Hurricane Sandy victims, and got made sure it got up there to uh, to the New Jersey area to help folks up there, and. Uh, I think I think they're they're well on the way to recovery there, with a lot of help from all over the country and all over the world, and uh, well we had a good trip to New York and glad to see that everything is sort of getting back up to normal there. Okay, and then let's see. Turning to the world of uh, <laughs> amateur electronics, there's something I want to mention here in the beginning. I, I received a couple of emails about this, and I um, I really don't know how to explain it, but a couple of listeners have written in and have said that at different points in the show they hear in the background kind of a strange beeping sound, a high frequency beeping sound. I cannot hear this, and I, I blame it on tinnitus. I I think I've mentioned on the show that I uh, I suffer from some pretty severe high frequency hearing loss, so it prevents me from hearing certain sounds. This is this can be a good thing, <laughs> it could be useful sometimes. I think this is a case in point because I don't hear the beeping that uh that the guys are describing. It may be something in the uh in the laptop computer that I'm using. It may be some alarm going off in the house in the early morning hours as I'm recording the show. I don't know. But one guy suggested that it was part of some sort of um subliminal um mind programming effort launched here by uh Solder Smoke Headquarters. And uh I let me just say that I will neither confirm nor deny that there's such an effort underway but if after listening to the show you feel an unusual urge to melt solder and uh, build things and and homebrew and use discrete components um please let me know because i want to know if the uh, if the the program oh, is working no I just 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 let me know about that <laughs> thanks for the the feedback on that I've been involved in all kinds of uh, kind of odd electronic projects lately. Um I'll mention the first which is kind of the weir- the weirdest and-, and one of the more uh, more painful. Um you may remember that uh, the last time I went to a ham fest, it was the uh, the Winterfest run by the Vienna Wireless Society here in, in Northern Virginia and uh I've been a regular at this Hamfest uh, every time I've been in the area over many years. Very nice uh, Hamfest. As I was leaving, I spotted a uh, a receiver sitting there on one of the uh, tables, and looked like nobody else wanted it. It was a HellaCrafters S38E S38 Echo, um, and I gave the guy ten bucks for it and brought it home. Uh, this is a you know this is a, a kind of a weird little receiver I, I sometimes you know you get a receiver and you really like it other times you don't and i think sometimes you get a receiver and you just get a sense that this thing is really not worth working on uh, especially if you've been spoiled by the by by receivers like the drake 2b and other good quality communications receivers the uh, the helicopter's s38e is i think <laughs> Not in that category. Um, it it's it's got some interesting features to it, but even the interesting features are the kind that are a little bit too interesting. For example, it is a, a transformer-less uh, receiver. Helicopters was trying to save money, and they used a, a, the power supply just basically takes the 110 or 115 volts AC from the uh, from the power line. Or rectifies it, filters a little bit, and sends it off to the to the five tubes or valves, as they say, that uh, that are used in this uh, superhet receiver. Also, there's no crystal filters in there. It's the the only filtering that takes place is done by the um, IF transformers, and the IF is at 455 kilohertz. Now, there are weird things about this, and I'd heard about these these receivers and how you had to be careful because they can very easily give you a real shock the thing is if you if you plug it in the wrong way in other words if you if you if you put the plug in into the wall it, with the wrong with the wrong um kind of well you know there's there's two things that come out of the ac line cord and if you put it in there the wrong way you will be putting the um the 115 volts not on the uh, the, the uh, well, you'd be putting it on the chassis, <laughs> and then if you come along and you put you lean your hands up against the receiver with one hand, and then you know grab uh, something that's grounded with the other hand, kaboom! That could be the end of you. So um, that was one of the uh, the less endearing features of the 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 all American five helicopters S thirty eight E yeah it's the the typical the one thing i liked about it was it was my first opportunity to work with a receiver that has this what they call all american 5 configuration five tubes and uh, just just very very common configuration uh in i guess uh, starting probably in the 30s or 40s now the s38 you'll see several different versions of it one looks a lot older than the others but uh, this is the more modern-looking one. I had one years ago, and I gave it away, gave it to a cousin of mine who was kind of interested in shortwave listening. I hope he didn't get shocked by it. I went in and did some mods. There's some things you could do in there to reduce the uh, the danger of um, electrocution. And I changed the AC line cord. I recapped it um, because all the capacitors were pretty much dead. So I, I managed to get the, uh, the hum the ac hum down to kind of well acceptable levels minimally acceptable but uh, anyway i uh, i kind of <laughs> kind of gave up on the thing and i think this happened to me with another uh receiver uh a while back and the thing that i think caused me to give up on it is just that the construction of it is kind of flimsy it doesn't have the solidity uh, and the stability of a, of a receiver like the Drake 2B, and you realize that you could work on this thing for a long time, and it would still be basically kind of kind of flimsy. So the um, the helicopters uh, helicopters s 38 e is now up on the shelf, and I'm I'm not really working on it anymore. If anybody has a a burning desire for one of these things, uh, let me know, and we might uh, be able to send it send it to you. All right, what else other projects that we have here? Um, Ah, signal generation. I, I mentioned in a previous podcast that one of the uh, many shortcomings of my workbench was that uh, I don't didn't really have a decent signal generator. And I think, especially during the work on the S thirty eight E, when you have to do alignment, you really need a signal generator to line up the uh, those um, IF transformers that I mentioned before. The only signal generator that I had in the shack. Um, was an old Heathkit SG6 and SG6 is it's really old i think it's going back to some, to, um, some of the earliest days of Heathkit and uh i think it's it, it's definitely right after world war II. it's a it's a nice looking little box I've, i think i've got pictures of it up on the blog site and it you know i i, I was using it with the tubes and the uh Kind of the old decrepit capacitors in there, and it was all a bit rickety, and the everything, the the the, uh, the potentiometers were kind of dirty and scratchy, and it was just just a real mess. And uh, but but somehow I was attached to this thing. It's about the right size. It's got it's it's a really nice box. It's got a really nice um, kind of dial on it, and uh, it it had a lot going for it. I was looking at uh, different signal generator projects and um the I think they have this one called the eighty six forty Junior that uh, Chuck Adams and a bunch of other folks were working on as a group based on a design from Wes Hayward, uh W seven Z O I and it you know it, it made use of um kind of a an oscillator at VHF with um uh with uh, divider circuits Uh, To bring it down to the HF range, a very nice design. I was looking for something a little bit simpler, and I remembered coming across a real simple uh, uh, signal generator idea on the website of um, of our friend Farhan over there in Hyderabad, India. Farhan's got great stuff on his site. I I ever, you know, he's he doesn't have a lot of projects, but the projects he has are so well presented and so interesting. I always get a kick out of visiting. His, uh, his websites, and I remember that he had one there uh, about a simple um, signal generator. The thing I think that caused me to remember it was that, you know, like all of almost all of his projects, I think, he tries to build them and design them in the way that um, uh, Indian radio amateurs with not a lot of resources and with not a lot of access to the kind of parts suppliers that we have in the States and Europe can... Um, They could still build the projects. Um, So, for example, in the the signal generator that Farhan designed, he used ordinary, like, drinking straws, one that I think that he got from McDonald's and one that he got from Subway (laughs) sandwiches to wind the coils for the the two little oscillators that are at the uh, the heart of his uh, drinking straw um, signal generator. Uh, so he has. You could take a look, and I'll, I think I have the link up on the blog site. If not, just just uh, just Google Farhand signal generator and uh, phone stack, and you'll you'll get to it. But two little oscillators. Um, I think one goes from three to to fifteen megahertz. One goes from fifteen to thirty megahertz, something like that. Using two different LC circuits, and you can switch back and forth between the two oscillators. Then the uh, there's uh, one or two stages of um, of amplification using feedback amps and uh, six dB three dB pads two three dB pads going one going in one going out to to stabilize the uh, the the the, um, the circuitry and uh, keep it at at all at about fifty ohms. Anyway, I was looking at this thing and I was thinking about building it and I looked up and there was the SG6 from Heathkit staring me in the face. And I realized that that there was no reason not to use the um, the really nice um, coil and capacitor combinations that are there in the sg6 that's one of the things that I liked about this uh, particular signal generator is that it in in, in sharp contrast with the uh, the uh, receiver that I mentioned earlier this thing was really built very solidly it's got a number of um, of coils in there, mounted on a nice steel frame. There's some. There's a really big, nice, well-mounted um, uh, reduction drive-driven variable capacitor. The switching is already there, and so my first step was I said, okay, look, let me build the little oscillator circuit that Farhan has in his signal generator, but instead of using the uh, the variable cap and the the drinking straw coils that, that he used, I was going to use instead the um, the coils and capacitors in the Heathkit SG6 signal generator. But I first wanted to do a little experiment to see if the, if the thing would, would percolate, as they say, using these different uh, coils and caps. So on a little piece of PC board, Manhattan style, I built um, first just the oscillator circuit from Farhan's signal generator and hooked it up. To the uh, to the appropriate connections on the SG6, and, and sure enough, it went just fine, and it uh, oscillated uh, very very well, at least on 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 most of the frequency ranges on the SG6. So I knew that I, that I, that I could get the thing going. So then I went ahead and I built the the amplifier uh, stages for, for directly from from Farhan's uh, circuit, and I put the whole thing on a little little tiny PC board and um, put it inside the uh the SG6 box my my first inclination was to uh to build an internal power supply an internal ac power supply uh for this signal generator and i had the right kind of transformer and, and i started um i started building the thing but it just became a pain in the neck to get a really uh stable cool um clean uh you know 12 volts dc for the um for the signal generator so i just didn't feel like messing it messing with it anymore and i resorted to i just pulled out uh, a power supply that i had built uh, many years ago uh, just a 12 volt power supply that i had built well regulated and i just used that kind of externally and then just kind of gave up on building the power supply for the signal generator um and now the thing works pretty well, but i got I got some questions for the group here um on the upper frequency range of um the s g six and it's getting up kind of beyond thirty megahertz right now i, I take that back. I can only get the s g six with far hand circuit to oscillate up to about eighteen point three megahertz when I go to the higher frequency range. It just uh, it doesn't oscillate at all, and I have a feeling that it's just based on the the kind of coil arrangement that they have there. There's just not a lot of uh, not sufficient feedback. They have little tickler coils on the uh, on the LC uh, circuit that determines the frequency, and I I suspect that, uh, that what's going on at the uh, the upper end is that there's just not a lot of um, uh, not sufficient feedback. So I might try to Put a couple of additional turns on that upper frequency coil to see if I could get it oscillating above 18.3 megahertz. I'm, I'm not really that concerned about it because, you know, it, I've I've got the coverage of the bands that I'm almost always on. the The highest frequencies that I normally operate on operate on are the seven aren't at 17 uh, meters. So my signal generator covers very well the uh, uh, the the 17 meter band and below, but it would be nice to uh, to get it um, at a, operating at a higher level. I have the I have a, a a very kind of opposite problem at the low end of the, the frequency range. This uh, heat kit signal generator goes very low in frequency. I think it goes down to about 100 kc's, uh, 100 kilohertz. Now it'll oscillate just fine at 100 kilohertz, but when I look at the waveform coming out of it uh, at those very low frequencies it's it's distorted. there's a lot of um, flat topping and obviously a lot of harmonics in there. And what I'm thinking about, what I'm thinking is happening there is that that at those lower frequencies the the gain of the transistors in the circuit is um, is much higher and in in those on those low frequencies, I'm probably getting too much feedback uh via the uh, the old SG6 uh, circuitry so in the, there i think what i might have to do is uh get uh, rearrange that tickler coil maybe take a few turns off of it or maybe even just put some some resistance in there between the uh between that particular coil and the rest of the circuit to to burn up some of the some of the energy there so i'm not getting excessive um, excessive oscillation there at the at the low end. Again, it's not really that important because I don't really need the oscillator running at that at those very low frequencies, but but there you have it. Um, I'll work on that a little bit more. I also I, this is the other thing I wanted to ask you guys about this. How much output do you want or need from a signal generator? I I'm thinking that that it that it would be nice to have 1 milliwatt i think 1 milliwatt would be good and the reason i say that is because a lot of the amplifiers that i that i see certainly the the jbot amplifier that i've been working with so much lately is designed for 1 milliwatt input so it would be nice to have a signal generator that produces about 1 milliwatt but but you guys tell me with your signal generators how much output can you can you get? And I've never had a commercial signal generator here, so I don't even really know what the norm is. I remember that the SG-6, when it had tubes in it, was putting out quite a bit less, and I think that was because it was designed for use with tube-type equipment, where the input impedances were quite high, so you didn't need a lot of power to to do the alignment, you needed just a signal to get in there a little bit, and and, and it didn't seem though like they needed as much power as we might want when working, for example, with a with a J-bot amplifier. But uh, you guys tell me how much how much power should I be looking at uh, from a um, uh, from a signal generator like the one that I'm working with um, on this thing? I think that right now. Um, I'm not getting quite as much power out as Farhan intended with his design. And again, the difference might be the fact that I'm using the um, different, very different uh, coil and capacitor arrangements there. So I might mess around a little bit. I'm, I, was, I, I originally thought I'd go in there and get rid of one of Farhan's uh, 3 dB pads, there's a 3 dB pad at the input to the amplifier and another 3 dB pad at the output, but I don't want to do that because I think that would. Well, I'd rather do something else, and I think what I'm going to do is do what I sometimes do in these situations, and that is go go in and change the uh, a bit of the feedback, the um, uh, the shunt feedback, and the degenerative feedback uh, in the in the amplifier to boost the gain. I think I could use I think I'm getting like half a milliwatt, so another 3 dB would uh, would get me right where I want to be. And uh, I think I just if I just go in there and play around with the uh, the feedback values. Now you have to be careful about it. You just can't do it uh, kind of willy nilly. <laughs> so what I usually do is I, I fire up the um, the LBA the FBA program feedback amplifier program that came with EMRFD experimental methods in RF design. And uh, and I use that to see, okay, if I change the, uh, the value of the uh, emitter resistor, what will that do to overall amplifier gain? If I um, decrease the amount of a negative feedback going from collector to base, what will that do to amplifier gain? All the while keeping an eye on uh, kind of how it affects how these changes affect the input and output impedances of of the amplifier so um that's my, that's what i think i'll do to get the um the signal generator um, <clears throat> to the power level that i'm that i'm interested in anyway uh stay tuned and please uh, send me your thoughts on uh, on this on these uh, kind of signal generator issues Let's see, um, looking at my list of things that I wanted to talk about. During, since our last uh, podcast, a, a new rig has kind of burst onto the uh, ham radio scene. And it's uh, from uh, the one of the real gurus of double sideband and, and of homebrewing in general. A real homebrew hero, certainly a hero of mine, a guy whose work I've been following for many years. Peter Parker, VK3YE, down there in Australia, uh, came out with a a video of um, a 40-meter double sideband rig. Super simple, really nice. And and Peter has these great videos that he uses to present his rigs, and uh, he did that with this one. And he always takes these rigs out onto an Australian beach, and it seems to me that he's always doing this in (laughs) December or January or February, um, which is of course when he would be going to the beach, but it just it it just it makes it all the more alluring because we're shivering up here in the northern winter, and to watch him take one of these uh, DSB creations out to the beach, he usually has some sort of big fiberglass pole vertical that he straps to uh, what looks like the uh, the boardwalk along the, the boardwalk along the beach. He lays out some uh, counterpoise wires, some some ground wires, and he fires the thing up, and then he, he just starts having these amazing QSOs with uh, two or three watts from a homebrew uh, double sideband rig. And this one became known as the beach rig. Um, they're all really beach rigs, because that's the way Peter presents it, but this is uh, the 40-meter double sideband beach rig. And there's been a lot of discussion on the Internet, especially the... Uh, the, the minimal minimalist radio uh, group uh, has been uh, discussing this rig and how to modify it, how to make it better and uh, Steve Smith, uh, Steve Snort Smith, our friend out there on the on the west coast has been doing a lot of very <clears throat> very good kind of mentoring and advising and uh, he's been building building one himself I think. so I would really like to, to build one of these things but you know I've got a lot of things on deck. I still got to do that herring aid five. Uh, receiver that i mentioned the one that i tried to build as a kid but failed um, anyway uh let's uh take a look at the uh, at uh, peter parker vk3ye site take a look at that beach rig it's really tempting it's got a you know it's got a uh, diode ring mixer it's all discrete uh, transistors there's no ICs in the thing uh i think peter has the same philosophy that many of us have on that score. Um, check it out. I think you'd, you'd really like it, and I, I would really like to build one thing so things. That I, I kind of need a, a DSB rig for 40. UseRadioMall.com is our sponsor this week, and I think it's a very fitting sponsor. You know, we're talking a lot about old radios. It's kind of a recurring theme here on Solder Smoke. I am an anchorologist uh, from way back, and I do own a DX100, which is, of course, the quintessential boat anchor. So it's kind of natural that we have as a sponsor uh, an organization like usedradiomall.com. It's a, a project launched by a fellow radio amateur, Matt W6, CSN, and he is, um, you can approach it, you can take a look at this uh, this site from two different points of view. Uh, you can look at it as someone who is browsing radios and equipment looking to buy, or you could use it as a place where you could sell your equipment. I visited the site and was immediately impressed by the very first thing that greeted me there. The very first item that Matt has up for sale is a HeatKit HW8 for 41 bucks. It looks good. It's a steal. That was a good sign. And then as I browsed through, there's uh, a lot of good stuff there. Um, the The key points about this that is that Matt points out that his site makes it less expensive than, uh, than selling the gear through eBay. And he gives a good cost comparison. And uh, check out he has a special check out our 30 for 30 package section and has a whole explanation on the site about why his site makes it cheaper to sell your gear than on eBay. He, uh, he focuses only on uh, used amateur radio gear, and he focuses on quality equipment. He says, I love a good junk box as much as the other self-respecting ham, but not on (laughs) usedradio.com with a smiley face there. I know what he's saying. You guys know what he's saying. So listen, check it out. I think you'd you'd like it. I think you'd find it useful. And uh, the Used Radio Mall is definitely more pleasant than visiting the real shopping mall. So check it out, usedradiomall.com. Thanks a lot. Uh, Let's see. Oh. Web a little piece of news from the uh, from the internet that I saw kind of caught my eye. They're saying that, uh, that we're going to start seeing entering the market um, batteries, large batteries from electric cars, as the batteries become um, unusable by the car and have they have to be replaced. These are very large batteries, you can imagine, to run the car. That they're still going to have a lot of capacity in them, and they could be put to um, to good use by others, especially for kind of emergency power applications. So as these batteries become available, and you know, I think they're going to be very useful for radio amateurs and others who are thinking about ways to prepare for uh, emergency uh, off-grid operation. So keep your eyes open, guys. There might be some electric car batteries showing up on eBay and other places. And uh, wow. There'd be a lot of capacity there. That'd be <laughs> that'd be great. Um, let's see. Oh, I have uh, I have done something that uh, in my recent adventures on the workbench that we uh, that we've been talking about, and I actually got around to doing it, and that is taking my frequency counter and hooking it up hooking it hooking it up to the back of the Tech 465 uh, uh, B uh, of the Tech 465 scope that I've been been using what this allows you to do is as you take that scope probe and put it on the uh, the the, uh, the output from your amplifier or oscillator you see the waveform on the screen and then you just look over to the frequency counter and Shazam there it is there's the frequency and it it really works like a like a charm and I've been using it and I I I don't have the uh the frequency counter hooked up to anything else I just leave it like that all the time and it's um it's a um, it's a real useful uh, <laughs> bit of uh, a, a, a real useful little technical trick. Sometimes I find that the um, if I'm using a a, a 10x x probe and the signal level's quite low, even with the amplifiers in the 465, it's not quite enough to trigger my uh, my signal generator. But that's pretty rare. And if, if that's happening, if I go to a, a, a 1x probe then it'll work but usually with the 10x probe that i normally have on the scope uh the signal generator has no problem um counting the uh, the frequencies assuming of course that the uh that it's a fairly clean signal with not a lot of harmonics it doesn't count um uh, double sideband signals very well because of the the multiple frequencies that are present in the DSB signal so um uh, but but normally it's it's quite a neat feature and i've been been uh been really uh, pleased to use that thanks to uh to Preston there in New york city for uh for writing that up recently in uh in q r p quarterly uh, quite good a a useful trick I, I i know Farhan out in india uh has a four sixty five scope and when when i saw first the first reports the first reminders on the internet of this this feature and it may have come from from allen our, our oscilloscope guru i'm not sure where I saw it. But I shot off an email to Farhan, and told him about it, and he was uh, he was really uh, delighted at the prospect, and I'm sure he ran off and connected his frequency counter to the scope just as I did. So it's uh, it was it was fun to kind of spread the good word uh, about that that feature. Um, let's see. Oh, uh, speak. I, I I I told you that it's 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 sort of my uh, kind of desire to. To, to take a break every once in a while from working on rigs and to work on the test gear and improve the test gear. That's what the, the signal generator project was about. But um, I've also been working on, a little bit, on my W7ZOI, W7PUA uh, power meter. It's um, been featured in QST articles. We've talked about this a lot. And uh, we uh, Wes had sent me an email a long time ago i that i change one of the uh, capacitors in the uh, power meter just to um to make it more useful in in reading um uh signal levels with from on well, double sideband kind of signal levels and i did that and it seems to seems to be um, making things work a whole lot better i still still need to do some some work on i don't really have i'm not really happy with the uh, the cable and the probe situation i have for the uh, the w 7 O I W7PUA power meter, um, and I don't think I'm, I need to work on that a little bit, but uh, I'll, I'll hook something up, maybe just a very short piece of coax to the BNC connector on the front of the meter. I think that'll that'll be be good. Ladies and gentlemen, this brings us to the uh, to the the problem that's been driving me nuts. I um, before the summer. As we were getting ready to go to the Dominican Republic, I got it into my head that I should, should spruce up my, uh, my portable double sideband rig. This is, this rig, I mean, I, I first built it in the Azores. I played with it in, in London. I modified it heavily and used it to speak to local amateurs in Rome. And now here I am back in the United States and I'm still working on this thing. My, I, I've taken this rig with me and operated with it from from France. It's been with me in the Dominican Republic. I've operated and made contacts with it there. Um, it is a, uh, well, Just I'll give you a, just a recap. It's a double sideband transmitter, direct conversion receiver. Most of the direct conversion receiver is made of uh, NE602 chips. It's kind of unusual. It has a NE602 as the RF amplifier. Another NE602, a separate NE602, as the uh, the mixer. A um, third NE602, get this, as the audio amplifier following the mixer. And then I think the, the, uh, the fourth chip is an LM386 for the audio out. But mostly NE602s in there. And it's uh, kind of a balanced um, DSB receiver. I, I played some for you, I think, in the last podcast played some of the audio from it it really sounds great the transmitter side has been the the, the problem and uh it I, w- I was never really happy with the uh the rf amplifier that i had in there it was it was a real kludge a real <laughs> kind of slapped together uh you know uh, rf amplifier back from those dark days where i was into build first design later i i've gotten away from that not completely but but I'm on the road to recovery. I'm in a 12-step program, and it and I'm 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 feeling <laughs> feeling some progress. But uh, um, what I decided to do was to to J-bot this thing and just rip out the the old hodgepodge uh, Rube Goldberg Heath Robinson RF amplifier that I had in there and replace it with a nice clean stable uh, J-bot. And uh, so I built the J-bot in there. This was my my third. J bot, I exaggerated it before. I think I put on the blog that this was the fourth. I thought it was the fourth. It seems like the fourth, but actually it was the third. The third J bot. I built it in there, kind of in restricted space in the uh, in the back of the uh, uh, of the uh, the back corner of the the small chassis. The whole thing is about the size of a uh, a standard um, hardcover book. The whole rig, and the the box is. It's all. Um, it's built on one PC board. And the sides are all pieces of PC board, and I have a piece of aluminum that that serves as the top cabinet. Um, anyway, the JBot went in there, and uh, and I thought all was well, but it wasn't. It was really very unstable, and I started struggling with the instability. And you know how it is when you're um, struggling with instability. I'm going to reach over here. Hold on a second. Let me, there's something I want to read to you. Whenever I get into these kind of problems, I reach for an old article from cf rocky w9 uh, sch this is a paper that appeared in uh, in spratt many years ago and its Proleg- pro- pro- prolegomena i'm hoping i'm sure I'm not pronouncing that right Rocky's such a literary guy uh, prolegomena to qrp transmitters a paper prepared for the students of new trier township high school and uh, Rocky gives them some real several pages of good words of wisdom about um the um about how to build QRP transmitters. I've always been really uh kind of attached to what he says about the final RF, the final power amplifier stage. It says here, um in, in, and he goes to, to to bold type, to to full all cap series. He's screaming at the audience. It is the development of clean RF power in appreciable quantities that is the greatest challenge in this field for the average amateur. True rock. And then he describes. He said, "Dear, uh, uh, the main troubles are one, parasitic oscillations, sometimes at unpredictable frequency." number one transistor zapper. Second problem, overheating. Third problem, poor RF power output or collector efficiency. Fourth problem, interaction with oscillator stage leading to chirp and hum and bomb CW note. And fifth, quantum mechanical necromancy. The transistor simply turns up its toes and dies. Not even an atomic physicist can tell you why. And then, then he says, let's consider each of these a bit further. Parasitic oscillations are perhaps the most prevalent difficulty. Although these can be generated at, at almost any frequency, it is the LF ones, the low frequency ones, which arise most often. These can be minimized, and Rocky notes, only a magician could prevent them. By keeping all the RF leads as short as possible, bringing all the grounds of a single stage to one common point, and by using a small resistor in series with the base right at the transistor. Often parasitics can be spotted by listening to the signal on a nearby receiver. If the signal is accompanied by a hiss that seems to surround the signal, then you've got them, brother. (laughs) Some people say... Those little ferrite beads strung on the base or collector leads helps with this problem. Others recommend the ritual sacrifice of a chicken to Papa Legba. I had them. I really had them. It took me a while to figure out what was going on, but uh, I noticed that I was watching on my 465 scope there, watching the output waveform. The problem only happened when the antenna was connected. When I was running into a uh, little 50 ohm, resistor, I had no problem at all. But when the antenna was connected, as I increased the power, I have a little audio signal generator going into the mic jack and I'm watching the um the kind of the hourglass DSB waveform coming out. As everything's fine as long as the output's down at around one or two watts. As soon as I crank it up a bit and take it up to about three Four watts, then I start getting all these these weird kind of squirrely uh <laughs> ugly uh additions to the uh the what should be a pure kind of hourglass uh, waveform there a real a real mess and um it uh it was driving me nuts i really i went through i did all the things that rocky recommended i uh did all kinds of things all all the leads were short. I I increased the decoupling from the uh, the power leads. I added shielding uh from other stages. Uh I I watched the uh, in the input signals going into the the balanced modulator to see if they were changing as the power increased. I did all the standard stuff and it was still messing up. You know, and I I um I I kind of isolated it to the uh to the amplifier stages, just to the J-Bot, because I disconnected the the J-Bot from the balance modulator, and I used my um, new SG-6 farhanized signal generator to just take a look at the waveform. And and again, as I cranked it up, I could see... Now I'm not looking at a double sideband signal, of course. I'm just looking at the uh, about 4 watts of RF output coming out of the um, the J-Bot. And as I drove it up to about four watts, I could see that all of a sudden you could just see it—that you'd see the whole waveform, which was you know nice and just as it should be across the oscillator screen. You could just see it kind of go whoop. and you you could see that there was an additional uh, signal in there. And what was obviously happening was that the oscillator was taken off. Now by changing the uh, the timing on the oscillator, I was able to determine. That the the oscillation that the that, that, that the uh, that the, the the amplifier was going into was at about 250 kilohertz. So in other words, this thing it was a it was an LF oscillation, just as described by by CF Rocky. I think the LF oscillations are more likely maybe because the transistor gain is higher as you go lower in frequency. So this thing was taken off at um, at uh at lower lower frequencies um and but i was still stuck with it and then, so finally i just turned i turned to the brotherhood and sisterhood for help and i put out a message on the uh, the X 20 yahoo group basically saying help me help me woe is me i can't fix my radio i can't fix fix my radio <laughs> Please send me words of encouragement, advice, or at least a chicken that I can sacrifice to Papa Legba. Um, and word, words of good advice and encouragement came in from um, many, many uh, quarters. Got a nice email from Farhan and um, from a lot of other friends. Thanks to everybody who sent in help. But most of the, the suggestions that came in were for things that I had already tried. However, um the uh the real solution came from Edgardo L U one A R. I want to make sure that I got that right. Yeah, that's right. Edgardo L U one A R sent me a quick message telling me things that I should do to um to resolve this problem and, and he 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 mentioned just two or three things that I should do. A couple of them I'd already tried, but I had not tried putting uh, 1K resistors across the primaries of the transformers in the J-Bot. And I, I said, okay, in desperation, I decided to do this. Um, somebody else had told me that I really didn't need to worry about this, so I, I was kind of not... I wasn't very hopeful as I went in there with... Um, a fistful of of 1k resistors. actually, I didn't have 1k resistors around, so I went with the 680 ohm resistors. There are three transformers in the Jbot, and so I started from the uh, the input I put I put a 680 trans 680 ohm resistor across the primary of the input transformer or, or the or the first transformer in the circuit T1. no no joy. tried it with the second one. Nothing. No joy, same problems there. That that ugly 250 kilohertz uh, oscillation was just mocking my ability as a as a home brewer. But then I took that third transistor and I put it across the uh, the primary of the output a transformer, and uh, it was like a miracle. I, I just I fired up the rig, the output was clean. It wasn't going into oscillation and uh, the problem is is pretty much resolved uh, now why was this happening and what and what do what do these resistors do they're um, it's an old ham radio trick they were sometimes called swamping resistors and what they're designed to do is to actually reduce the q of uh, of the coil the q of the transformer coil the reason you want to do that is because what's happening in, uh, and it's kind of obvious in retrospect is that one or more of these uh, transformer coils has a self-resonant frequency. Um, you know, it's just it's self-resonant with the with the capacitance in the coil, and it's self-resonant at fairly high Q at 250 uh, kilohertz. So if there's any energy or if there's any 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 at any at all energy there, it'll it'll start to pick that up, and you've got a high Q kind of LC circuit sitting there looking for energy at uh, 250 kilohertz. And if it finds some, off it goes, and it becomes an oscillator at 250 kilohertz, and not the the amplifier that you want it to be. So one easy way to solve this is just to put some resistance in there across that coil. It makes the uh, the Q of the uh, of the circuit, a lot lower, so you don't have that peak. So the whole thing becomes a little less sensitive and a little less likely to to take off on you. That's my kind of uh, my understanding of the situation. Please correct me if I've I've got it uh, if I've got it wrong. But uh, that was the the Argentine solution came to me on uh, uh, on on Christmas Eve. And so, you know, I, I, I'm really bad when I have one of these problems. I become obsessed with it, and I can't get it out of my mind. I'm trying to figure out how to fix it. And this is not a good state of mind to be when you're supposed to be, you know, happy and with the family and your mind on the Christmas tree and all that kind of stuff. So I really thank Edgardo for uh, for, for sending me that solution and getting me out of, uh, of homebrew hell there in time for the Christmas holiday. Uh, that was good. Now I, I I put a blog post about all this up on the Solder Smoke blog, and I said that you know there's a there's an old saying in Spanish, an old Spanish refrain that says uh, No hay mal que por bien no venga, which is roughly translated as Every dark cloud has a silver lining. Very roughly, it's same idea. Um, the silver lining to this was that when Edgardo, uh sent me this suggestion, my first thought was Who is this Argentine genius who has solved my problem? <laughs> So I I looked him up and I found his website and he is an amazing guy. He's a, a very proficient home brewer. He 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 has built double sideband rigs. He's part of the the double the global double sideband conspiracy. Um, he is an expert on autogyro helicopters. And his QRZ site has a picture of him sitting there in front of one of his home brew autogyro helicopters. And he has uh, written a book about autogyros, something that's always interested me. Uh, Steve Smith, the B6 TNL out there in California, when he saw this, has <laughs> provided a comment on the on the blog page that that really kind of really made me laugh. So thanks for this one, Steve. He said, "Wow, I visited Edgardo's site, and it just struck me that he's he's just sort of he's just like that guy in the Dos Equis commercials, you know." the most interesting man in the world so i think we could call edgardo the most interesting ham in the world and then steve uh, closed his message with a with a quote that the guy in the dosekis commercials always ends he kind of looks up and steve said stay thirsty my friends <laughs> so three cheers for edgardo and uh, and thanks to uh, to steve for the uh, for the commentary there. But you should check out Edgardo's site. He really is a very interesting ham. All right, that was the Argentine solution. Um, Let's see. Christmas presents. Yeah, we did very well at Christmas here. Um, Billy got a raspberry pie. Um, And, you know, just coincidentally, somebody sent me an anonymous benefactor. It's like the show, the, the old TV show, The Millionaire. I think they, I, whoever did this could not have known that Billy was going to get a raspberry pie for, uh, for Christmas, but in came uh, a, a gift certificate for Adafruit. Somebody sent me a very generous uh, gift certificate for use at Adafruit, and that is the uh, um, homebrew electronic supp- supply company, very focused on microcontrollers and kind of um, computer real-world interface operated, operated by a very interesting person named uh, Limor Freed. Uh, Limor was just recently named as the 2012 Entrepreneur of the Year, and uh, there's a real nice video about her company. I put it up on the Smoke blog. You should check it out. Always good to see uh, Homebrew Electronics returning to Lower Manhattan, to the area around Radio Row. So uh, three cheers for Lemore and Adafruit. She's also known as Lady Ada, and uh, check out the the, uh, the 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 blog. Check out the the video on the blog. It's a good reminder for me that uh, I, I have to I have to be more uh, careful about saying gentlemen or fellows, because there are some some women out there who are doing some really fantastic work in electronics. Lady Ada is definitely among them. Allison who sends me uh advice on the on the j bot and other other rigs is is a real wealth of knowledge and I don't mean to be uh uh kind of discriminatory here in the way I talk about the readership so uh well anyway, three cheers for lady Ada and uh also three cheers to everybody who sent uh who sent in donations and who has sent gear and pieces of equipment and pieces of computer gear uh over over the course of two thousand twelve I mean we're I'm, we're always really just uh um I mean really uh grateful and uh and uh and pleased with the the generosity shown by the Solder Smoke uh readership it's a, a very generous group and uh you know it's that's what you know I don't know it's, you just it's it's just we're dealing with such a nice group of people that uh, well it's a, it's a pleasure to do the podcast and I'm really One of the things I'm thankful for is to have this podcast and have it as a a means of staying in contact with the the wonderful people who listen to it. So uh, thanks to all of you. Thanks to everybody who sent equipment. Thanks to folks who sent in uh, donations. And, uh, well, um, uh, I hope you all have a good 2013. Let's see, we're not done yet, though. I haven't haven't even got to the mailbag yet. This one might go a little bit longer than normal. Let's see. Um, just, uh, I wanted to say a few words on, on recent publications that have come out. The latest QST magazine, I was, I was really impressed. Three cheers to the folks there in, uh, in Newington, in Connecticut. The QST special DIY issue. Celebrate the homebrew spirit. All kinds of great stuff on there. A lot of homebrew projects on the front page, on the front cover. Three cheers for the fellows at ARRL for, a really outstanding issue, uh, an issue of, um, of great interest to to ham radio operators, uh, ham radio homebrewers, of course. Um, I've got two issues of Sprat here that I needed to comment on: Sprat 152 and Sprat 153, the autumn and winter editions. Both really, really great stuff in there. Uh, the the 153 issue I was looking at the uh, the other day, Dom Baines M1 k t a has taken over as the new g q r p club communications manager there's some there's an article in there right on the front cover b k three y e Peter parker's bigger toy transceiver all kinds of great stuff in there both these issues are are real gems and i got the latest edition of hot iron from um from tim g three p c j thanks for sending that to me uh tim all kinds of great stuff in in hot iron Really enjoyed it, and uh, thanks for all the folks involved in putting out these wonderful uh, publications. I put some videos up on the uh, the blog I want to call your attention to. One, I mean, so, you know, some of it is not really that directly connected to radio, but a lot of it is. There's a great video that I found on uh, on um, a group in Paraguay, and they, the name of the video was... Uh, Land Philharmonica. Um, it's about uh, poor kids in Paraguay who got interested in music. Their parents and they, unfortunately, all work as garbage pickers, and this is a, an all too common line of work in uh, in developing countries. These kids live in a community that makes its uh, living by picking away at the uh, the garbage pile, and uh, apparently one of the one day one of the dads found a uh, a violin that had been discarded and he brought it home and fixed it up and his daughter really fell in love with <clears throat> with the violin and they started finding other bits and pieces of musical instruments and then they started making their own musical instruments out of bits of garbage and junk and old tin cans from the garbage dump and um uh, they have put together an, an orchestra of, of of poor kids in this town in Paraguay. Uh, apparently, a full-length video is coming out. I just saw the trailer, but um, it's uh, it's really amazing. So I I, I I encourage you to take a look at that roadkill violins and the uh, landfill harmonica. Uh, also, put up a a TED talk about uh, uh, a, a physicist from South Asia. I think he was working at MIT who put together a um, an arrangement where they could take a picture you know how you with, with, with stop action strobe light photography you know you can they, they can stop and show and slow down the movement of a bullet you've all seen the video of the bullet going through a balloon well they have uh, slowed things down considerably and now they have a picture a stop-action photograph, kind of thing, of a light beam. I think it's a it's a beam from a laser going across a room, and they have done this by uh, coming up with an arrangement, a combination of hardware and software, I believe, that allows them to take one trillion exposures per second. That'll do it, <laughs> and you could see the light beam, the laser moving across uh the uh, the screen uh, take a look at it i think it's um, it's really interesting we have a third uh, video recently up on the solder smoke blog about a, a kid from uh sierra leone in west africa with the knack and he's got a lot of talent a lot of a lot of hope a lot of ingenuity and uh he was brought to MIT by another older uh, student from Sierra Leone who's uh, doing his PhD work there at MIT. And it was just an opportunity to take a look at kind of uh, what life is like for a young person with the knack in a in a poor developing country. So um, I encourage you all to take a look at that. A lot of good stuff up on the blog. All right, now it's time. It's time... It's time, guys, to bang the gong. Solder Smoke Mailbag. Ooh, that's awesome. Yeah, Solder Smoke Mailbag. First, uh, as I mentioned, the help from uh, from Farhan and others on the, the J-Bot amplifier. You know, the other thing that struck me when you... It, a lot of Farhan's emails led me to his uh, website that I mentioned again. Phone Stack um, website—you got to check it out. It's—it's it's amazing. He—he's worked a lot of kind of artistry into the text of his website. There's a lot of references to American rock and roll. <laughs> it Makes me realize that, well, I guess Farhan and I are about the same age, and we uh, grew up on completely opposite sides of the planet. But apparently, we were listening to the same. Music. So, <laughs> check out Farhan's site. He's got a lot of great rigs there. He's got a direct conversion receiver. He's got the, uh, the uh, of course the Bitx20, which is now world famous. He's got the signal generator. All kinds of words of wisdom and uh, and um, useful philosophy for homebrewers. So check that out. Um, I got a package. Another yet another package from Steve Silverman, KB3SII. He told me that he was going through uh, New York City and uh, hailed a taxi and noticed he knew he was getting into the right cab because the um, the the plate on the taxi cab was 1N34 and, yes, a little A. 1N34A, that was the diode taxi there in New York City. The radio gods were looking out for you that day, uh, Steve, and Steve sent me a, a kit, a wonderful little kit um, for, get this, guys, A regenerative receiver I think this one might be the one that breaks the spell that that convinces me that uh, there is not something inherently evil about regeneration Uh, I'll let you know I think that's going to be one of my next projects coming up Uh, as always um, a lot of really wonderful mail from from Steve Smith WB6 TNL Steve Snort Rosin Smith our man on the left coast he sends me a confession. I think it's it's okay if I share this with uh, the group and the world. I don't think Steve would would mind. He uh, has been building a J-Bot amplifier, perhaps as an afterburner for the Beach 40. I'm not quite sure why, but uh, he confesses to me that he has never before built a linear amplifier. One gets the sense that up until now Steve has been strictly a Class C man, which probably means lots of CW. Uh, Welcome to the dark side, Steve. Welcome to the world of linearity, or near linearity. Um, (laughs) And uh, I was thinking of Steve the other day when uh, um, a news story appeared. I'm sure many of you saw it. In uh, Miami, I think it was, people around one building, one building that apparently was doctor's offices, they noticed that their... radio car keys, the key fobs, were not opening up their car doors, but only in this neighborhood, in this one particular parking lot. Everywhere else, the key fobs worked. In this one parking lot, nobody's key fob worked. They were getting the cars towed away. They couldn't get into the cars. It was it was really a mess. The police were puzzled. Everybody was puzzled. Nobody knew what was going on. Well, they found out what was going on. Some guy had placed a uh, An FM broadcast band transmitter on the roof of the building and he was using it to play a uh, 24-7 Caribbean music with him as the DJ in a pirate station he just liked the location I thought of Steve because obviously the uh, the pirate had failed to use a seven element low-pass filter Uh, words of wisdom from Steve always use a low-pass filter words to live by uh, Dave uh, K8, oh, and thanks to Steve also for the um, for letting us know about Edgardo LU1AR being the uh, the most interesting man, the most interesting ham in the world. Indeed, keep thirsty, my friends. Uh, Dave K8WPE um, is is trying, and I think this is always a dangerous thing to do. It's rarely wise, but he's trying to follow my example in the technical field by uh, fixing his computer with a, uh, a light bulb. Uh, he described his computer's problems to me. They sounded a bit more serious than, uh, than mine were. So, uh, I don't know, Dave. Give it a go, but I wouldn't waste too much time on it. Um, good luck. Uh, Kim, VK5FJ, has been um, sent me a couple links to some interesting articles about circuit bending and test gear. Interesting stuff. Thanks, Kim. Uh, Lane, NXNLB. Wants to know if he if it would be okay for him to run or possible for him to run the JT65 mode using double sideband on 20 meters. My my default answer to any question involving uh, can you use double sideband is of course yes. Go for it, uh, Lane. I think it'll work fine. Uh, Andy at GM0NWI, uh, a real uh, uh, long-term. A uh, fan and frequent correspondent. We're always glad to hear from Andy there in Bonnie Scotland. Uh, Andy it wants to to move into the world of uh, scratch-built homebrewers, and he asks a question that might seem like a contradiction, but it's not. He he wonders if anybody out there has any scratch-built kits. It seems like uh, an oxymoron, scratch-built kits, but but not really. I guess what he's looking for is just like a collection of parts. That would uh, help make the uh, the scratch build process easier. So uh, let us know if anybody has anything that fills the bill in that area. Um, got an email from a fellow named Mike, who used to play with his grandfather's radio. He just passed his um, his licensing exam, and uh, we'll soon have a call sign. He credits uh, Solder Smoke with moving him in this direction. We're delighted to hear about that. Um, Dick W A two. J-Y-Z sent me a really nice message uh, about his, the, the, the importance that the Solder Smoke podcast has had in his life. He listens to it while he's uh, doing his exercise. He, um, he recalls how, issue, uh, how podcast number 100 uh, actually caused some of his family members to wonder whether he might be losing it or not. You'll recall, this was the, uh, the the fateful podcast in which I described how I took the, uh, the chip for the um, frequency counter that Tony Fishpool had sent me and how I had very not-so-carefully soldered it in to both sides of the PC board. There were about 20 connections on either side. I had extracted the old chip, broken chip, put in the new chip, Soldered it 20 times on one side of the board, 20 times on the other side of the board, and at which point I realized that I had soldered it in upside down. Um, Dick said that this caused him to laugh so hard that his uh, his family really began to wonder what was going on with him. Well, that's uh, understandable, Dick. Um, he Also, very, very kind of interesting, he mentions Python programming and learning how to program in Python Gives us some good links for uh, learning how to program in Python. And coincidentally, this arrived just around the time that, uh, that Billy has uh, gotten really into uh, Python programming. So thanks for that, Dick. Uh, Jim, WA8 Zulu Hotel November, uh, let me know that uh, in one of the um, Hallmark commercials, I think it was, that, that appeared around Christmas time here in the States, um, they show a scene of Santa's workshop. And apparently, Santa is a boat anchor fan. And apparently he's running a helicrafter's receiver. I think it's an SX-28. I looked it up in the book. And um, I hope he has better luck with his helicrafter's receiver than I had with the S-38E. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Chris, uh, this is an important one. Chris, EI-6KH. You'll recall Chris is the uh, one of the two Irishmen who were um, propelled to the ham radio test center by words of encouragement from Solder Smoke. Uh, He's looking for the other Irishman who showed up to take the exam that day. The other Sutter Smoke fan, a fellow named Dave. They took the test with on the test test on the same day, um, and uh, they have not. He's he sort of lost contact. That he he asked me for for Dave's email address, but the only correspondence I had from Dave was via comments on the uh, Sutter Smoke blog. So I don't have an email for Dave. Dave, if you're listening, please shoot me an email and I'll pass it on to to Chris. Uh, Chris reports that uh, he is on the air. He is uh, uh, feverishly calling CQ with a homebrew rig. He's had some technical difficulties, but he's overcoming them. Welcome to the club, Chris. And I'm sure you'll be making lots of contacts with that rig. Fine business. Um, Rupert, G6H, I think it's H-U-Y. Forgive me if I have it wrong. It's either H-U-Y or H-V-Y. Uh, sent me a really interesting, excellent site on the EF-50 tube, the history behind the EF-50 tube. Uh, Tom, KB3HTN, is looking for info on the Herring-Aid-5 receiver. Uh, That's the one that I'm going to build. I'll try to get uh, Tom that info. If anybody else has it, please shoot it his way. Hey, one thing I forgot to mention I got for Christmas. I got... And this is based on the Chat with Designers, advice and guidance from the Chat with the Designers uh, group up there, um, George Heron and company up there, um, and Joe Everhart, uh, their excellent uh, podcast series on technical stuff. They, They did one show on soldering, and they made me feel bad. They made me realize that my soldering gear was woefully inadequate, which is somehow just fundamentally wrong for a guy who runs the Solder Smoke podcast. So I knew I needed an upgrade in the solder melting department, and they strongly recommended something called the Xtronic, X-tronics, X-tronic 4000 series um, soldering station. And uh, I mentioned it to Mrs. Claus here, and sure enough, uh, it, it showed up on, on Christmas Day. I'm using it. It's, uh, you know, really great stuff. It's got a hot air um, apparatus on it that, uh, allows me to contemplate the possibility of moving into the fascinating world of surface mount technology. I don't know. It's got a temperature controlled soldering iron there. It's, uh, it's really, uh, it's the business as they say. <laughs> that's great. Hey guys, that's, uh, that's the end of, uh, Solder Smoke 148. Again, I just, uh, want to thank everybody for all the kindness that uh, you guys have shown me and my family during, uh, during 2012. want to wish you all a uh, happy New year and uh, hope to have the podcast uh, put out more regularly during the year ahead. I'll be thinking about my New year's resolutions during the next day or so. I always do them and I, I manage to uh, follow up on well at least a quarter of them so we'll see how it how it goes. Uh, but uh, best of luck for 2013 for everybody, uh, 7-3, and, uh, and thanks very much from Northern Virginia. This episode of Solder Smoke has been brought to you by usedradiomall.com. Check it out, usedradiomall.com. The Sodder Smoke podcast is produced once or twice a month using roadkill computers in an electronics workshop somewhere in the wilds of Northern Virginia. The podcast is available via iTunes and directly from our website, soldersmoke.com. Our blog, the Sodder Smoke Daily News, is at soldersmoke.blogspot.com. Send email to soldersmoke that's one word, at yahoo.com. Sodder Smoke is listener supported, and there are many ways you can help keep the podcast going. Please spread the word. Let your friends know about Solder Smoke, the podcast and our blog. Put links to the podcast and the blog on your websites. Buy a copy of the critically acclaimed book Solder Smoke: Global Adventures in Wireless Electronics available from lulu.com. Begin all your visits to Amazon via the Amazon link on our blog page. In this way, Solder Smoke gets a commission from anything you buy on Amazon. Buy some of our attractive solder smoke t-shirts, coffee mugs, and bumper stickers at the solder smoke store at cafepress.com. If you have a small business, consider advertising on the podcast or on the blog. Our rates are reasonable and our staff is friendly. If none of this appeals to you but you still want to help, well, we have a donation button in the upper left hand corner of the blog page. However you choose to help, we thank you for your support. Ciao bravi ragazzi